very, very good. Hello, my name is Jake Kerr, I'm from Black Ink, and welcome to the Black Ink podcast number one. So, I actually just recorded about 45 minutes worth of the first podcast to realize that it stopped recording 20 seconds in. Why did it happen? I don't know. So, let's start again. I thought I would... uh, I thought I'd start with a bit of the origin story of Black Ink. It's probably an appropriate place to start because besides the direct community of people who were actually like experiencing Black Ink as a coffee van like eight years ago, it's a bit of a weird story. And if you scroll back to my Instagram, you can kind of piece it together. But I just sort of take this time to explain where it started from and kind of the inspiration behind like the whole idea of it and the name and the logo and whatnot and just figure it out from there and just... You know, kind of get like I find it pretty exciting because obviously it's my like story of how everything started. So we'll start from the start and uh, we'll have some fun with it. So it all started. I was um, it actually to to make proper sense of the full story. I realised this by already speaking about all this before to myself and not to the camera because it wasn't recording. That to appreciate all of this, I kind of need to speak about my work history. So. I started working as soon as I could. Basically, um, as soon as I was allowed to work, I, I did. And even I think it was even a bit before that because I was about 13 when I got my first job. And it was this little ad in the paper that was for uh, Stable Hand. And it was in my area. It was only about two kilometers away. So, you know, I think my mum found it, my dad found it. They're like, what do you think? And I was like, yep, it makes money. I'll go do it. And that's always been my main prerogative is making money. I love making money. It's my deal. Like, pick up five, I drop five dollars and I try and pick up ten, you know. So I uh, we responded to this ad. I went round there. I uh, put my best foot forward. My mum obviously went with me, and I ended up I ended up getting the job. And I would spend about twelve hours a weekend, three shifts, mucking out stables, feeding horses, rugging up horses, um, doing my bit where I could. But I was, you know, I was also thirteen and hadn't been around horses much of my life, so I just. Did me best, you know. And from there, I ended up working at HJ's. And from there, I ended up moving to Europe and being like a semi-professional speed skater, I guess you could call it. And from there, I worked... I came home uh, 10 days after my 18th birthday. And I started working for my dad, which was on a mine site. I then worked for the mine site itself for a couple of years and then went up north for about six months and then ended up coming back down south, working for my dad again. And then I bought this business. Uh, I think my dad came across this business first and kind of explained to me what it was and how it worked, but I had no idea about what business was. I had no idea about what it took and all the moving parts to business. I just kind of, yeah, I just kind of thought, yeah, well, dad had a business and I'll have a business and it makes sense. I didn't really have any aspirations to be a business owner. It was more the fact that like, it was different and I've always kind of had a, a leaning into like being different or having the different having the different sort of lifestyle, whatever it is. So I kind of just took it for what it was and, and I went and did a couple of days with the lady who owned the business. At the time, it was a franchise and it seemed to be a good thing. Um, it was a good thing. I don't want to say it seemed to be a good thing like it wasn't. I uh, We ended up, well, I ended up buying the, borrowed all the money to do it because I didn't have a cent to my name, of course, and then took on the business, the franchise, and just started making waves. And the agreement was when I bought the business, the lady who owned it was uh, the franchise offered four year contracts and she had done three years. So the idea was I had to finish that contract, which was only a year left with the understanding that I'd be signing up again as a as a franchisee of this business. So I did that year and 
I think I, after that, you know, year without getting too into it, I was in about the same financial position um, I was when I started. So it was like, you know, I would go and put, you know, I would go and put, you know, my, my interest for how much I borrowed would be like a thousand dollars. And then I would go and put like a thousand and one dollars in the bank account. So I was only getting like a dollar ahead every week. It was going to take me bloody forever to own this business. But more to the point, I didn't have any freedom within the franchise. I couldn't really change the menu. I couldn't change a color scheme. I couldn't change the bean provider, the cup provider. I couldn't change anything at all. And every single, like on top of having to buy all of their specific brand stuff, you had to give them a percentage back of your of your turnover. So it was a bit of, a, I wouldn't say it's a rigged system. It's a franchise. It is what it is. But unfortunately, I think it was a franchise that was that small that it's not really at all beneficial being a franchisee unless you're doing killer amounts of work. Which, not that I wasn't, I think just to a certain extent, um, it was a hard task for someone who was in my position, given that there were already three or four other coffee vans in town, and mine wasn't anything special. It was just a coffee van that was run by, you know, the only thing that I could really bring to the table was hard work and character, and I was bringing as much character as I could, and the hard work element of it was, because of who I was at the time, I didn't really understand the hard work that it took to kind of do it, but that's not the point of the story. So when that year came up, I kind of said to myself, well, why don't I just go and do my own thing? Why don't I come up with some name or brand or logo or just something different and just fucking forget about the franchise and see if we can do that? Because the idea of paying these fees for another four years and being being locked into anything for four years seemed crazy to me when I was 21. You know, like, I think the only thing that I've been locked to for that amount of time before was a personal loan. And even then it was like, try and get it paid off as quickly as possible because fuck having debt you know what I mean so yeah so that's when I came up with this idea that okay I'm going to do something different but I don't know what I'm going to do different yet and my main concern was I wanted to come up with a brand or something that was it was its own thing it wasn't like a coffee thing it wasn't like oh yeah Jake's coffee van or you know coffee to go or something because the thing that we already had in Bunbury was coffee vans that were such and such a coffee van or, you know, coffee to whatever or whatever coffee. I just didn't, like, it didn't really vibe with me and it wasn't really something that I could be proud of if I just came up with another generic bloody coffee brand. So I thought, let's go something completely unique, completely individual and just make it cool, just something we can have fun with. And also something that if I decide to take it another direction whenever down the track, it's gonna be. It's gonna make sense. It's gonna be congruent. It kind of like it. It like it all runs. It, it all kind of makes sense. You know, you can't really create like a. You know, let's say I wanted to make dog food. I couldn't really make dog food that was some other brand. That, that was like sorry, Jake's Coffee Van dog food. It didn't really make sense. So I wanted to come up with a name that was its own thing. And just kind of stood out, and it was genuinely without getting too much into what was happening at the time when I came up with a name. I had an A3 pad in front of me with a black biro pen and was just writing down stuff as I do, how I always brainstorm ideas, whether it's for writing or for, for graphics, whatever it might be. I was just brain, brainstorming and I had a black pen which had black ink and I wrote black ink and I was like, that's it. That's the name I want to go with. And the only thing I changed from there was changing the A to an X because uh, at the time, I know this is hard to believe, but... I've had X's instead of vowels in my Instagram name for probably nine years. Like I, I had it, I had my, my Instagram name, my personal one that I have, have now, I've had for bloody ages. And it's always had those vowels, in, uh, those vowels as X's instead, like 
as it is just just forever, you know. And I find a lot of people do it now and claim that they were the first. I'm not saying I was the first. I was just probably the first in like Bunbury, you know. But also, who gives a fuck? Anyway, so I kind of had the idea to change it to an X because I was already, you know, in that mindset. I was doing it with my name and I thought also like, let's not forget putting an X in the middle, especially like, I love this sort of stuff where it was like B, L, something, uh, a C, K. So it was like right in the middle. It was five letters. It was in the middle. I was like, this is fucking awesome. So it made sense. And then like when I put, when I stacked it and went black ink and everything worked and the X was in the middle, it was like a nice shape. It was a nice style. I was like, yep, cool. I'm happy with the amount of letters in these words. And I was like, I, I really liked that it was so undescriptive and unique to itself and not to any idea that it was just like, cool, I could do anything I wanted with this. And basically just ran with it. The next thing was coming up with a logo. And the logo was like another thing that, uh, I, I, so I was working with a, a mate, Mark, and I kind of, um, he was he was like reasonably good at Photoshop at the time, probably still is. And uh, I was totally hopeless on on computers outside of like Word documents. So pretty much all we did was just like got a few working. I mean, we did go through a, a lot of um, a, a lot of like designs and a lot of graphics that could have been okay. But this was something where I just said, look, I want the latest tattoo that I got done. I want an upside down triangle, and I want the name in there, and that's it. And I wasn't really, I was kind of leaning towards having a nice, simple logo that was really like recognizable, understandable. It was undeniable, undeniably just what it is. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, that could be this. It was just, I wanted something that was as unique as the name Black Ink. And the tattoo that I most recently had at the time was this mandala on the side of my face. Um, Nat Gucci from Good Luck Tattoo in Melbourne in East Richmond. She did it. Um, And I was stoked with it. And I said to her, oh, I think she even sent me a picture. Yeah. So she sent me a picture of the design before I got it done because she came to the Perth Tattoo um, Expo that year. She sent me a picture saying like, hey, you happy with this sort of thing? We'll do, we'll, we'll do that when we're at the convention. I was like, yeah, definitely. So uh, I had a picture of it, but it was also like, you know, it was on the table like this and she's taking a picture on a bit of an angle. So it wasn't exactly right. It wasn't like square on, but just using that, and a triangle and what turned out just to be a rectangle with black ink in it. Mark geniusly came up with what he did and it has been the logo ever since. Like it was one of those things that once I saw it, I was kind of like had a moment of, "Mm, that's it, that's what I want. And basically we just ran with it. So I had a name, I had a logo. The next thing I had to do was figure out how I was gonna make my coffee van, which was a, uh, a single cab Hilux with a Boston body on the back. So if you're unfamiliar with that, it's just like a big aluminium box with doors on it and like a sealed off section inside about a quarter of the space for the generator. And it had its own exhaust fans and the whole rest, the, the whole lot. It was, it was a really cool setup that just worked. And I didn't want to change any of the setup itself. I just had to make it unique to this new branding that I had. So what we ended up doing to cover up the shitty brown color of the, of the franchise I got it all uh, vinyl wrapped in a matte black, which people did tell me was a bad idea. They said, look, this can either work or it can either look like pure dog shit. If it looks like dog shit, I guess like my only defense was, well, it's wrap. I can just pull it off and go with another color. And if it looks good, it looks good. I win. So I got the, I got the body wrapped. And then I also got the, 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 the Boston body on the back, the actual frame of it that the doors come off of. I got that spray gloss black with one, one of my customers as a uh, spray panel panel beater. So he did all that for me. 
Um, and then I, I vinyl wrapped all the doors and then just kept it real clean and subtle and simple with the, um, with the logo placement and the graphics on the car itself. I only had like a logo on the hood, a logo on the big door and on the back door and on the side door with just like, you know, coffee, munchies and a phone number and Instagram handle and Facebook handle. And then I actually had, this is cool, I had blackink.com on the bottom of both doors of the, of the car doors and no website. <laughs> so I just like had blackink.com thinking like, yeah, it looked neat, it, it, it fit in nicely, but also if anybody asked about the website, I was fucked. So I just kind of ran it <coughs> the way it was and spent the next, it turned out to be three years making coffee out of the Black Ink coffee van. And it was probably about six to eight months into the whole Black Ink journey. So I've been making coffee for a whole year as a franchise changed the name, changed the whole look of everything, got rid of all of the working gear and got all of my new, uh, like I got uh, a, a machine provided by a local business. I got my, I sourced my beans locally. I, uh, everything I could do locally, I did locally, which actually when you've got like a community of people based around a coffee van that visits all different businesses, you can actually get anything done for like the right cost and also the right amount of time to get it done because all of these people are relying on you to come back to make more coffee for them as soon as you're done. So I think I was off the road for like two weeks. It was crazy. But more to the point, I got to this point where I was like, oh, also should, should mention, I bought all of my clothes, like all of my clothes from op shops. I would go to op shops literally every two days just to find cool jackets or cool shirts, cool pants, cool shoes, anything I could purely because I couldn't afford not to, and I really like clothes. So I found that like I could go and buy, you know, fill in the blank, I could go and buy Nike shit for $200, or I could look for some vintage Nike shit for, for 20. And this is before anyone was doing it because it was cool. This was like kind of in the age where like, you were almost embarrassed to be in the op shop because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm buying secondhand clothes. And it was like only when you found something so crazy, so cool, so gnarly that you knew people were going to compliment that you were like, I don't feel like an idiot being here right now. So anyway, I buy everything from the op shop and I kind of had this like reputation with all of my customers like, oh, what's Jake wearing today, you know? So people were kind of talking about what I was wearing already. When I mentioned that I was gonna make myself a uniform, I was gonna put my logo on a t-shirt, man, it was like I said, I had like the, the, the bloody secret to life or something. People were like, I had some customers that were like, seriously, like make sure you make me one, you know? And because of the upfront capital that it would take to make 20 or 30 or 50 of these shirts, I realized that it wasn't really a, a viable thing. I had, I had a friend from up in Perth who I used to ride fixies with um, who approached me. Or he didn't approach me. I think it just came up in conversation that he had a print shop. Uh, he had a screen printer and he had access to an AS, uh, AS Color Wholesale account. So I pretty much uh, called him up and said, I'm thinking about doing this. You know, what are the costs involved? How quickly can we do it? How does it work? Blah, blah, blah. Educated myself just enough, like just enough to, to kind of do it. And as I said, realized that I didn't have the capital to do it. So I got a piece of paper and I wrote, my name is Line and I'm interested in pre-ordering and then made two options, a short sleeve or a long sleeve with a box to tick next to it. And I have deposited whatever amount it was into this account and then I wrote my bank account details. And then I said, uh, you know, whatever it was. And then I, I took it to a customer of mine who, who has a photocopy and I said, can I get like 30 photocopies of this? They're like, yeah, 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 sure. And I handed them out to people and sure enough, people pre-ordered their shirts. They'd fill out this piece of paper and they, 
yeah, basically they'd fill out the piece of paper and that meant that they had put money into my account um, confirming that they had pre-ordered their shirt and it meant that I could buy these shirts and also like make a little bit of money. And I think at the time, like it was like, you know, I would make a shirt for 25 and sell it for 30. You know, it was just, they're not saying that I don't do something very similar now because there, you know, there isn't a great markup in t-shirts, but it was more just the idea that people would be wearing this name Black Ink, something that I kind of thought was coolish, but I didn't think it was like killer. You know, I didn't think like, damn, this is something that has heaps of potential. I just kind of was rolling with it and thought, you know, if people want to, if people want to wear it, they want to wear it. And I guess that's pretty cool. So I got these shirts made and I had the crazy idea of thinking that only girls could buy the short sleeve and only boys could buy the long sleeve or girls could buy the long sleeve if they really wanted to. Uh, sorry, girls could buy, yeah, the long sleeve if they really wanted to. But the idea was guys could only buy the long sleeve. They couldn't buy the short sleeve. Hey, why? I don't know fucking why. It was just, it was one of those things where you're too worried about being a bougie brand rather than just being someone who makes money. So I ended up selling like 25, 35 of these shirts. And the wild part was everyone who got them was fucking stoked. And like, I know people who still, who bought those shirts, who still have them now, some of which have only worn a handful of times because it was a special shirt. And that's like, I still have the original one that I wore, but that thing's like, the last shape it is is square. It's been washed so many times that it's twisted all around one side. The print is faded. It's got a big rip in the front of it, but I still wear the fuck out of it because it's the OG shirt. So basically what happened was I kind of got a bit of hype from making these shirts and people wearing them. And obviously like, you know, one customer sees another customer wearing it out in, out in public or whatever. And they just kind of hit me up like, oh, I didn't realize that people were like wearing, wearing them. And anyway, that interest turned into kind of like the demand to make some more and and I come up with a new design. And I mean, looking back, the smartest thing I could have done is just made 50 of those shirts and kept selling them. But I, you know, this was all new to me. And I didn't really, I kind of had some sort of aspiration of wanting to like make shirts for people with my brand on it. But it wasn't really like, I specifically want to make, um, like I want to be a brand that makes stuff. It was just like a kind of a side thing, you know? And also at the time, like I can fully admit, I didn't have the mentality to understand what it was that that whole process was. Like I didn't understand that you had to create like a, a source of information to do with just that part of your business where customers could find out about shipping, where customers could do ordering, where customers could understand how their money's being handled and what sort of time can they wait for their shirts. Because at the time I thought, well, these 25 people or these 30 people, I can just tell them. I can just take their money off them. I can keep a list myself, right? Such and such as paid. And they'll be here in a couple of weeks. And if they're not here in a couple of weeks, it'll be a few weeks is how it is. And I'll tell them, you know. So, you know, I was quite happy just doing that. So I, I continued uh, I continued on that path and I made some new designs. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, yes. So I'm pretty sure I actually just bought a stock. So I got like five of each size, five small, five medium, five large, five double XL, five triple XL. And... I just held them and then when they came, so I just ordered them and when they came in, I told people they were in, I would wear them and people would buy them. And I actually got a pretty good re response. I think I had two different designs, a short sleeve and a long sleeve and I just sold them. You know, all bar the handful of shirts that you never sell, that dead stock that you just end up giving away, which is normally like out of those five triple XLs, you keep three, three of them. And for like some strange reason, you always have one medium and one small of everything left over if you hold stock, I found. So I had this thing where like, not only were people interested in it, they were buying it. Like they were speaking with their money. And 
the people who kind of had one or two or three of the shirts at this point were like, well, anything you make from here on out, I need to have every piece that you make. And like, I do have some customers still that have bought every single item that I've ever made and basically like boast about it now still, you know? And then I had the people who missed out or were thinking about it or were going to get one. And, you know, as I said, they missed out. They were like, okay, as you make the next thing, I definitely want it, right? But the thing that I found was at that time, I didn't understand what I had happening, right? So I understood that I could make things and I could sell them, but I was seeing it just as like my coffee, you know? So I saw it as very, as a similar product as my coffee. And the thing about my coffee was I didn't have much faith in it because I knew there was better coffee out there. I didn't think it was cool. I thought the idea of what black ink was cool, but I didn't particularly think what I was making was a cool product and I wouldn't wear it so much myself, which was kind of bizarre because now I look back on it like an early 20s dude who ran a coffee van and made his own clothing brand. Why the fuck wouldn't you wear your own stuff? Especially when my whole motto was, I only sell clothes that I want to wear myself. I only produce clothes that I think are cool and want to wear myself, but at the same time, I wasn't wearing them. So... I had this real like push and pull feeling of like, take it seriously, make clothes for people, you know, embrace the process, you know, go through the, go through the method, go through the procedure and like build some sort of rhythm where you make them, you sell them, you make them, you sell them, you make them, you sell them, you sell them. And I did exactly that, but I still wasn't fully embracing it as far as like wearing my own clothes out. I would still like really look for like the odd, the oddball finds at the op shop and like, you know, just cool different clothes that I thought were cool and I focused more on that. And I think that was probably one of my main, I wouldn't say stuff ups, but probably like one of the things that held me back at the time was like I wasn't embracing myself fully and think, and like giving myself faith as well. And that kind of led to, um, you know, not really understanding what Black Ink was to the community and to my audience and like to all the people that hadn't heard about Black Ink, I couldn't really tell them exactly like what the direction was as far as the apparel was concerned. I could tell you, I'll come and make you coffee at your business or at your event or whatever. But, you know, if I wanted, if you said, oh, you know, what's next on the agenda for Black Ink as far as apparel is concerned, it would be like, oh, I'll make some new shirts later on or I've got some of these left over. And even then, if you said you wanted something, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go home and check. I wouldn't go home and check. I'd just go home and fuck around. I'd go home and smoke. You know, it's just like, it was never a, it was never something that like, properly concerned me so it was never something that was going to be properly like done if that makes sense so i went through a, a bit of a process i ended up making some cool things like um like these are pretty cool the hockey jerseys i made them about six years ago i only made 10 of them i made um i made jackets i made windbreakers i made jumpers i made all different things and only a few of them i found really cool one thing i always found cool was the original the original print tee as i said which i still have and i still wear in double XL, I wear nothing in double XL except that shirt because I love it so much. Um, but one day I got offered an amount of money for the business that was right. I kind of had the business up for sale because it was one of those things where there was nothing wrong with it. I was just sick of waking up at five o'clock every morning, making coffee, having the same conversation, talking about footy, you know, just the same thing day in, day out. And not that I didn't love and appreciate all of my customers. I was just finding that I wasn't very fulfilled in that particular job. And now, now I look back, it makes heaps of sense because now that I'm doing what I'm doing, it's like, oh yeah, no job really bloody suits someone like me for, for whatever reason. When I say no job, I mean like working for someone else, helping them achieve their sort of dream. And even though I was working towards achieving my dream, I never really aspired to have the best coffee van in Bunbury. I think, 
I had like some sort of like popularity in Bummery as far as coffee vans were concerned, but I never, like it wasn't really anything worth writing home about. It was just a coffee van that rocked up five minutes late every day. That's what I had. And when I got offered the right money for it, I um, dusted my hands and walked away. Uh, how I walked away as to be so lucky with the name Black Ink and with the Instagram and with the Facebook, it was kind of crazy. They wanted to buy it with just the run and the equipment. So I was, I was like, very cool. You know, like you can have just that. And um, we did the deal. I got to keep the rights, the name, everything. So I kind of was left with this ball of potential that was black ink. It was like the Instagram had a bit of a following. I think it was like 600 and something followers. The Facebook page had 1200 likes and follows. And the everyone everyone who was on it was fairly like engaged with it as well. So it was a good start. And I just kind of didn't want to do anything with it because I was just so burnt out by hearing about Black Ink and hearing about the coffee van and everybody telling me what I should be doing as far as like making shirts or taking my coffee van to bizarre events because they think I'm going to make money. I just like didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to hear about Black Ink anymore. I didn't want to hear about other people's good ideas for my business. I was just... And again... I was young, I still am young, but I was young, and I just did not have the mentality to take advantage of what was in front of me. I didn't really see the opportunity. I just saw the burden of bloody having this thing that people could have a say as to what they thought it was and where they thought it could go. So I just stopped, you know? I had a bit of a piss week attempt at making making a couple of shirts here and there, and never really didn't like put the proper energy and attention into promoting it and advertising it and getting those shirts sold. And I even had, I had shirts sitting around like maybe two dozen shirts of, of different designs and some, some of them were still blank, just sitting around doing nothing, you know, because I just didn't, didn't, I wasn't posting anything on Instagram. I wasn't trying to make anything of it. I ended up, um, I ended up actually truck driving of all things. I got a job as a courier. Uh, in refrigerated, like a small HR refrigerated bloody delivery around the Southwest and in Perth on occasion. And I ended up like tripping into landing a job driving road trains without an MC license. I got my MC license and literally started working driving road trains the day after for like one of the biggest companies in Bunbury who also pay the best. It was crazy. So I get myself out of all of my debt with this great job, learning how to drive road trains, and I become, I would say, a fairly competent and confident driver as far as driving road trains go in such a small amount of time. I, um, I got myself a decent reputation with like even like subcontractors and that, and I really like just focused on being a good truck driver for a short while. But I did get to a point where I had no debt, I had no outgoings, I was, I was reasonably smart about what I did. I paid everything I could yearly instead of monthly, so I didn't have these overheads or deductions. I got myself so far ahead with my rent that I didn't have to worry. And I just stopped working. I just stopped working for like, I think the plan was I was going to do it for like a month just to see what it feels like. And I ended up doing it for like three months just to understand what it meant, what life was like to stop working, you know, because at that point I had, you know, as a kid, when I was 13, I rushed into getting a job as soon as I could so I could make money and, and, I don't know, buy fucking pairs of shoes or something, I don't know. And then I really never stopped working. And even when I was skating, like I was training three times, twice or three times a day, uh, you know, five or six days a week. I was traveling on the weekends to competitions and I was treating my, my skating like it was a job. So I found that like I had this rental, I was in a, uh, you know, I was in the relationship that I'm in now, which has always been just super, um, 
what would I say? It's, it's just a really um, like fruitful relationship. Like there is, we have such a heavy focus on like promoting ourselves, um, kind of building ourselves up as as people, and also building each other up as people, and also building a really strong thing together. You know, so we've we've got to really like. I feel like the intention of the relationship is really pure and positive, and at that time. You know, just with dealing with the angst of being 20 something and, you know, trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do and also taking this time off because I just fucking wanted to and I could for the first time in my life. And like, I have got myself in some pretty serious debt in the past, not serious, but just, you know, swapping cars every 10 minutes and doing things that aren't necessary, but you do it just because you can, you know, and all of that. I just, you know, I just wanted to embrace not doing anything for a while. And I found. I found a couple things out when I wasn't working. I found out that I still like waking up early. I found out that I like being creative. And I found that I had this like kind of desire to do something for myself, but I didn't know what it was because I felt like that still wasn't the right path for me because I had I had experience having Black Ink as a coffee van for or having a coffee van for four years and I still didn't feel very fulfilled in owning a business where I was in control of how much money I could make. But I found myself creative writing uh, every day and I would actually made a bit of a bit of a system where I would wake up, I'd do X, Y, and Z and then I would just write. I'd get myself in the best possible position where I was the most creative and then I would just write and it would be one page and it turned to two pages and three pages and four pages and then I was creating, I was I was writing and creating these stories or, or whatever it was and like, I, this is the thing, like it doesn't even really matter what I was writing about. It was the fact that I was just whatever was on my brain was a thing that I would write about. And the wild part about it was when I stood back and looked at, you know, I always wanted to fill up these books. I would get a notebook and keep writing in it until it was full. And the wild part about it was when I filled up these books and I would look back at it, I couldn't believe that I had created this thing that once wasn't but now was. Like it had gone from being an empty notebook to now it's not just a notebook full of information. It's a notebook full of information that is 100% unique to me. And I really, like I really like that feeling. So not that I really did anything with it straight away. I actually went back to truck driving for a little while. But I didn't really do anything with it straight away. So I just kind of like I would keep writing. I would keep creating. I would keep making, making, you know, these stories or like writing down these massive ideas that I had. And... I found that the part of it that was really like, um, it was really, it gave me a lot of like purpose was the fact that I could create. It was the fact that I was someone who, and like not saying that there are people that can't do this, just saying that like I really honed in the idea that I could have an idea and I could put it on paper and then I could give it to someone else and it would be a significant thing for them as well. So keep that idea in your head, we'll keep moving on. I ended up going back to truck driving. And I ended up doing, uh, I was driving road trains and, you know, back on good money. And I had bought a caravan probably about a year before all of this. And I was just piece by piece spending money on this caravan, came up with this idea. I'd had the idea in my in my back pocket that I wanted to get a caravan and travel forever because it's just, it you know, who doesn't want to get a caravan and travel? It just seems kind of great. I actually bought a caravan before I bought a four-wheel drive that could pull it. I had a little Suzuki Swift and I bought this caravan because I knew that's what I wanted to do in the future. So I bought it. Anyway, I end up um, with Gurley at the time. I said, look, this is what I want to do. She was very, you know, obviously she was aware I had a caravan. She was very aware that that was the plan, but we just kind of, 
said, right, well, let's do it. We'll put a date on it and just get everything ready for that date. And if we get to that date and it's not ready, we'll just do it as quickly as we can from there and just fucking go, right? So we set a date. And um, to give you an idea, we set a date, I think it was like March last year or something that, that I was going to stop work and we were going to, I think dad and I were riding over to Victoria and back on the Harleys. And then after that, we were leaving. And that was the plan on. So to give you an idea of time, when dad and I rode over, by the time we were riding back, we were collecting rolls of toilet paper along the way so that when we got back, because this is when everyone was buying all the toilet paper because coronavirus had just become a thing. By the time we got back, it was, um, we were going into lockdown and we couldn't do anything. So it wasn't even necessarily that Bunbury was locked down or Perth was locked down. It was like Australia was locked down. You couldn't cross borders. You couldn't do anything. And we only just got back in time. So our entire plan, and I mean like we were so prepared that all under the bed of the caravan had all non-perishables. We had everything you can possibly imagine. We had the 12 volt water heater. We had the generator. We had this, we had that. It was all ready to go and then just immediately flipped on its head. So now we're living in dad's backyard in the caravan because obviously we don't have a rental because the plan was to leave. Um, Girlie had been living with her mum for a couple of weeks and yeah, just the whole, the whole plan was fucked. And I didn't really know what to do and how to feel about it. And going back to work just seemed like an absolute kick in the stomach because we just geared ourselves up to go traveling. And I think it was, we kind of had the, the thing where we could travel if we really wanted to, but also it was like, we're just going to be met with problems everywhere we go because traveling was just so not on the agenda for any, for anyone in the world at the time. If you remember, it just wasn't something that could happen. And we ended up, I think I was looking on Gumtree or just Google and I came across this ad of this lady who had a block in Mandra who needed like a groundskeeper. It was it was five acres, it backed onto a onto the Serpentine River and it was an empty house, empty shed, but just needed someone as like a you know, do some work around the place and you can live there. And long story short, we meet her, we move there, it's a good thing, it's a great thing. And I I had strangely this situation where I had no money that had to be spent on anything besides coffee and shopping, you know, and my phone bill, because everything was paid for. I had all this money in the bank ready to go traveling and I had nothing to do with it. And I like, I, as I said before, like I've kind of just, it's always been in my mind that, you know, if, there, if I can make money, I will make money. And somehow my, my YouTube searches turned into how to make money online and different ways of making money and investing money in shares and just all these different things I could do. And I basically, all this money that I had saved, I was like, right, well, if I can't go anywhere, let's make money off this money if I can. And I've always had the idea of like, I would love to start another business or I'd love to do something that's kind of fun. And I ended up, I actually started a a semi drop shipping business where the whole idea was, um, I I don't want to get too much into it, but I, I, I started a, a semi drop shipping business where I kind of held a bit of an inventory, but in the process I had to get sharp at Photoshop. I had to understand Shopify, which is, you know, web development. It's understanding e- um, email marketing and just e-commerce in general and understanding how to market and how to use um, social media to, to your best advantage and all the rest. And I got like three or four months in, spent all of my money, had people, <coughs> had people invest money in me, sorry. 
had people invest money in me the whole lot and got a bunch of stock from China and did okay. I didn't do great. I didn't make my money back, but I did okay. I got myself in a position where the only thing that I was rich with was information. I understood at the end of this process how to make a crispy website. I understood how to how to kind of you know plan your marketing and plan your your sales funnels and that so that you could, you were in the most advantageous place to to get a sale. And basically, all I did was I had this moment where I was I just kind of had it all come to me at once where I realized like oh people have been asking me for the past four years what Black Ink is doing. And I basically said nothing because even if I gave them an answer, it wasn't based off any thought. It was just based off like, I, you know, like, do you want me to make a shirt for you? Do you want me to, you know, like it wasn't, I didn't have a plan because I didn't have any intention. I didn't have a goal. And all of a sudden, the goal seemed really obvious when I realized I had heaps of the stepping stones in place as far as the knowledge that it took to build the foundation. I can now build a website for black ink and make it something that was like a, 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 you know, like a legible place where people could go spend their money and get black ink in return. So in the meantime, I was like, I kind of tripped into these really weird, like contracting jobs where I was making designs for people, for, for other small businesses all around Australia. I was making websites for other small businesses and influencers. So I was like, I was gaining experience in like this e-commerce world kind of organically by default, just by like helping other people out in like with things that I had learned off the internet, things that I had learned off YouTube tutorials and stuff. And, you know, I was charging appropriately. Like I would build a website for $400 for people and be stoked that they were happy with it. And I was stoked that they had a functioning website for $400, which is absolutely crazy. Anyway, I took all of this knowledge that I had from this online business that I had built. Um, and I basically just transferred it all to black ink. And I had like those dozen shirts laying around from the old design. I sold them for $10 each just to get them on people's backs. I came up with four new designs. And like for people who have been on board for the past six months, I mean, you know the rest of the story from there. It's kind of it's just been all a, you know, gaining momentum, rolling downhill sort of situation. But I made these four designs and put them up as a carousel. And people said like, yep, love design number one or love design number three, rah, rah. They ended up, like, I think I got majority rules. It was um, the chalky design, which was design number one. So I just printed off 15 shirts of those and sold 15 shirts and then, you know, made the next design and sold them. And then I got a designer on board and, and worked with him. And, uh, you know, we came up with, with uh, what was the original one? The Ascension Tea. And just kind of like everything from there has been an organic progression as far as like, I mean, obviously, it comes down to asking the right question. What is the right thing to do for Black Ink next? What what makes sense to do next? What does the audience want, audience um, kind of want and expect next? And just kind of trying to answer all of those questions correctly and, and follow through with the appropriate action that it takes to, to do it correctly. And yeah, now I'm just kind of in a position where like, uh, you know, Black Ink obviously is what it is. I've got some cool things in the future coming up and I've, I'm now starting to, um, now starting to like realize kind of what Black Ink, hey, Hey, Louie, no, no, Lou, she's going to keep barking, you watch. So Black Ink really has just become, it's become something that's more obvious to me now. I start, I can kind of understand what Black Ink was trying to be before. And like, I, I do like to speak about it like it's its own kind of entity because I feel like it is. Black Ink is half what I 
try and shape it to be in the process of having it. And the other half is how people receive it. I mean, as a creator, I'm not going to say an artist, but as a creator, you only have 50% control of what you're creating anyway, because depending on what light and what situation people see your product depends on how they're going to perceive it and how they're going to take it in. So your intent is only good for 50%. Perception is the other 50%. And where this all kind of ties together is the, the, the realization that I had in this whole like kind of story was, Louie, Louie, give me one moment. Hey puppy, sit here for me. So the kind of the the glue of all of this was realizing that when I was creating, when I was um, you know staying home, when I took that time off, kind of vocationally, I was creating all the time. And the thing with creating all the time was I was having that feeling of like taking something from my head and making it real. And when I started blacking back up and I realized that people were interested in like kind of creating this hype with me and like getting on board with what this whole idea was, I realized that I could have a great idea. I could turn it into something that people could see and people could experience and they would pay for it and get something in return that they really liked. And like when I would speak to, shush, that's enough, that's enough. When I realized that the way people spoke about their shirts that they got like six years ago, they spoke about it like it's the shirt that I that I wear out when I'm going into town. It's the shirt that I actually iron before I wear because I don't want it to look shitty. It's like those people who bought the original shirts and didn't wear them because it was it was a special thing that they got from the coffee guy. I realized that that's how I saw those things that I got from the op shop. It's like that's what I that's kind of how I felt about these these one off pieces that I got from the op shop, and I was like to to replace these is almost impossible, and that's what I was doing. It's like, of course, all of the big brands that you know, they had really humble beginnings. And I mean, this is the humblest of beginnings. I feel like I'm six months into it. I'm living in my caravan and I can't afford to put fucking fuel in my car still. But the potential that it shows because it has this kind of cool element of like, I make these really special pieces of clothing. Well, I feel like they're special to me and I feel like they're received as special as well. That that element is so exciting and that when... You know, like when I hand pack all of my, my orders to send out to people, it's like, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm like embodying that feeling of like, this is almost like a gift that you get at Christmas because you know, there's no, there is no other business who's putting in what I'm putting into just selling t-shirts and jumpers and, and hoodies and all the rest. So I feel like the whole, like having something that was, that was kind of operational for three years and then having four years off and now getting to a point where it's like, I, I kind of stumbled into doing it again just by knowing how to do all of these cool and interesting skills. And then now turning it into something that like in my eyes looks like it has heaps of potential to do something. It's just, it's kind of cool. It's kind of really cool actually. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's, it's something that I genuinely look forward to doing every day and like, I, it's like I go to sleep thinking about it, I dream about it and I wake up and I do it and no job is too hard. And it's not hard to do a really fucking good job of everything I do because it's all something that I feel like I directly result from the end result. Like I, I, I directly profit from the end result of it, even if it isn't fiscally, like it's still like a, almost like an ego thing. If I can make something that's so perfect in my mind, the end result is like, look, like 
that's me. Like I, I made that for you, you know, but yeah. Anyway, I hope, uh, I hope you got something from that little, um, what are we? 43 minute, uh, explanation of the bit of history of black ink. If I went off on any tangents and I forgot anything, I'm sorry. This is my first time. I have been, uh, I have been recording videos of myself talking every day for the past probably month, month and a half, just so I kind of get better at not saying, um, and, and actually going somewhere with what I'm talking about. And I definitely wish that I recorded the first time I said all this because it was heaps better than what I said just then. It's not the point. This is what we got, but I will sign out by saying, if you haven't already, jump on www.blackink.com.au and black is spelled with an X instead of an A, so don't forget that. Uh, jump on my Instagram page, give us a like, give us a comment, don't forget to save all my posts, boost me up on the algorithm, I need all the love I can get right now. I just hit a thousand followers last week, I'm at about just under 1100 now, so I need to boost that up, but um, yeah, give me a like and follow on uh on Facebook and also here on YouTube because this is only going to be hosted on YouTube for a little bit until I find my feet and figure out my voice and know what I'm doing. But until then, have a lovely day. Be good to your mother and uh, I'll see you next time. Yoop!